Praise the Lord. Get out your sermon section or open up your Bible app, not to be confused with Angry Birds. And um, while you're doing that, let me take care of a couple of quick housekeeping things. Uh, we're getting ready to plan our annual business meeting where we get together at least once a year, go over the finance reports from the previous year, and, and uh, take care of a few other matters of business. You have to have had a, been a member for 30 days to participate in that. So I'm holding back a little bit for our schedule. If you're not a member and you would like to be a member, which basically means if something real important is going on, you get to be a part of the vote. Right? Right? <laughs> what if I come up for an election and you can't vote? <laughs> Wouldn't you hate that? You know, or what if Jesus took me home and you wanted to vote on the guy that's going to step up? Wouldn't you want to? But you can't do all that if you're not a member. So... On our uh, app, there is a membership application. You can fill that out. I think we have some printed out hard copies out at the Welcome Center. I'm going to give you a few days to get those in, and so you'll have a chance to, to meet under the wire. Second thing I wanted to talk to you about, normally on Super Bowl Sunday, uh, we do a Super Bowl party. But I'm afraid some of you guys are going to get in the flesh this year and soil the temple. Now, I thought it might be good, especially in light of what I'm preaching right now, rather than get together for a big Super Bowl party, if, if you would open your home and say, I would allow some guests to come in and, and share this momentous, incredible Super Bowl where the Chiefs are going to mop the field with, <laughs> with the 49ers, um, uh, then you can let me know, and if you would like to be a part of one of those meetings somewhere in someone's living room or wherever, let me know, and I'll try to match everybody up. I think it would be good if we could maybe get into smaller groups. I've been talking about the necessity of connections to be a fruitful Christian, and so I thought this would be a good excuse to do that. Now, some of you have been skipping church for Chiefs games, and it's cost us. We were down 24 to nothing a couple of weeks ago because of you. We were down, what, 10 last week because of you. And the rest of us who went to church, we had to pray them out. It, it took a while for us to bind the demon of idolatry and, and, get, and, and get, get this thing moving in the right direction. So I don't know why I'm saying that. <laughs> There's a no Chiefs game today, so... We're in a series called Resolutions That Heal, and my whole point of this series is to say that if you're going to be fruitful, there's going to be some connections, some disconnections, some reconnections, and living out connections you're going to have to make. And they all said, the Bible says that God created us and looked at us and said, it's very good. Can you imagine someone looking at you and going, it's very good? Imagine God looking at you and going, very good, very good, I like that. But something happened and sin tainted us, and then the Lord redeemed us, and then the Holy Spirit filled us. And so as a consequence of that, we have Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit is, and now he describes who we are redeemed and recreated to be. This is God's description of you in the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is the life that God has designed for the New Testament believer. 
<laughs> Amen. That's the life that God has designed for the New Testament believer. And what we have to do if we're not seeing the fruits of the Spirit in our life is begin to say and admit to ourselves there is something unhealthy about my walk with the Lord. I know that's tough to do, but we have to admit it. There's something wrong. And I've been telling you this formula that I think all Christian councils use this formula. Truth plus grace plus time equals healing. And i got to look at my life and say, I don't see love, joy, peace, patience, etc. So I need to be healed. I need truth. I need to know what the truth is. I need God's grace to inspire the truth, take me to that place of healing, and I need time to get there. And I'm using Luke chapter 13, verses 6 through 9, as sort of the foundational passage. Then Jesus told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. He went out to look for fruit on it and did not find any. If the Lord came to our lives today and looked for fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, would he find it? Would he, would he find that? So he said to the man who did not find any, so he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now you've been coming, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Enter the advocate. Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year. This is Jesus volunteering to make us fruitful. I will dig around it. If Jesus is looking at your life and doesn't see love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, he says, I will dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. In other words, you get another chance. The parable doesn't end. We see that. And I believe it's because God wants us to write our own ending, whether or not we were fruitful. I'm rushing through this review real quick. Now, last week, I talked to you about making the right connections to understand there's got to be some right connections that you and I have got to take down our, our walls and the things that are keeping us from being connected to other believers and allow people into our world because fruitfulness takes place in the context of godly, healthy connections. Now, before you do that, though, I want to tell you, you're going to have to make some disconnections. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. You ever look at someone and say, boy, they're just disconnected. (laughs) There's a disconnect there. We're going to disconnect today. Disconnect about some things. So the right disconnections are critical to our fruitfulness. Now, are you with me so far? Can you listen fast? Well, you don't have to listen fast. i got all afternoon, all right? So you can listen at any speed you want to, but I can tell by looking at your face whether you're with me or not, and I'll just stay there till you're there, right? Um, listen. In your life, at any given moment, there are agendas being imposed upon you. There's agendas being imposed upon you. Some of them are good agendas, and they are a blessing to you. Many of them are competing agendas, and they compete with God's agenda for you. And if you're not very careful, the very reason that we become unfruitful is that we have allowed those kind of agendas to influence and, dare I say, even control us to the point that God's fruitfulness is not allowed 
to happen. Tell me if that makes sense. You've got all these agendas coming at you, and you don't know what to do with them, so you assimilate them into your life. And before you know it, there is no love, there is no joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. All that has been set aside because there's too many agendas working in your life. Today I'm going to talk to you about disconnecting from those agendas. Isn't that exciting? Five of you are really excited about that. What are the rest of you going to do? Disconnecting from those agendas. I know, and I've studied some psychology. You've studied some psychology. And, and I, I know that they do certain things in the psychological realm. And I do believe in Christian psychology. I think it exists. There is a such thing as Christian psychology. But I want to tell you something, friends, that as you process through mental health and spiritual health, the two, in my opinion, simply cannot be separated. Spiritual health and mental health, they cannot be separated. And so our fruitfulness, love and joy, isn't that a very description of mental health? Love, joy, peace, patience, isn't that? Isn't that? And so you have these situations going, and here's where I was going with that is, Psychology tends to label people. I don't like labeling people. So I had rather label behavior. Amen? So instead of saying you're a narcissist, I will say what you're doing is narcissistic. Hello? Isn't that much better? Because all of us have tendencies to do the things and to act in ways that are emotionally unhealthy. And sometimes it's people who dearly love us who have the most difficulty allowing God's agenda to flow out through us. Amen. And I'm not saying cut off that relationship. I'm saying cut off that influence. You don't know what I'm talking about, do you? I can tell you. Here, here's one thing I'm talking about. Back 157 years ago, I was a young man. And uh, my wife and I had been married for about four or five years. And we began to talk because, you see, I knew so much when I got out of high school, I didn't need any other education. I knew it all. I had been reading the Bible for years already. I, I had it all figured out. And then I started pastoring right out of high school And about four or five years later, I realized I need to learn some stuff because I don't really know enough to do what I'm doing very well. Amen? Are you with me? And so my wife and I began to talk about what are we going to do, you know, and and put this in context, you know, uh, no one in my family had ever gone to college. And so we started talking about dare we do this, and, and we began to make the decision that we would leave the Garden of Eden down in northern Arkansas. And and then we'd move to the holy city of Springfield. And then I would study under spirit-filled men and women, and I would would learn some things and get ready for the, the mission that God had called us to. And so we were making those decisions, and there's one thing I didn't do when I was making that decision. My wife and I were praying about it. I talked to a few other people, but I didn't tell Mama. You know why? Because mama would get in the way. 
Hello? All you mamas are staring at me like I just kicked a kitten. And when the decision was finally made, and I sat down and I said, Mama, I want to take your two grandkids. I only had two at that time. Our son was born in the middle of our college career, which was a, I couldn't believe the Lord would play a joke like that on us, have a baby in the middle of the poverty years of college. But my wife did it. I don't know what she was thinking. And... uh I'll, I'll never forget that. My, my my mama would come into church, and and we were pastoring a, a church in the area. And my mom would come into church and look at me and bust out crying. She acted like I was dying. She would, she would just, she couldn't believe that I would take my family and move hundreds of miles away and oh. oh so I, I knew then there, there was an agenda there, and it was based in love, but it was not compatible with God's agenda. And so I had to, as much as it broke everybody's heart, I had to cut that connection off. Now I still love my mom. I'm still connected to my mom. See, I'm cutting off an influence, not a person. Come on. I am saying I am not going to be... Mama's little boy anymore. Some of you desperately need to make that decision. <laughs> you're not going to be Mama's boy, little boy anymore. You're going to be a man. You're going to stand up and you're going to start making your own way. You're not going to be Daddy's little girl anymore. You're going to stand up and start making adult decisions. You got to you got to cut that off. Hello, you with me? I want to give you, if you have room in your bulletins, take a few notes that are not going to be on the screen. I'd like to give you those real quickly. And one wonderful thing about a series is I don't have to get all those blanks filled in. You'll come back next week, won't you? Let me give you a few I believes before I get started preaching. I believe that almost all of us are going to have, and I don't even know I need almost, but I put it in there just in case some of you are really exceptional. I believe that almost all of us are going to have to overcome unhealthy agendas that are being expressed through control, narcissism, codependence, and enablement. Control, narcissism, Codependence, and that's very psychological, doesn't it? Control means that someone is not letting you function as an adult. Control means that you are not able to make the decisions about your life, and you're going to have to live with those decisions. Amen? You whisper, man, that's profound. Let me hear it. I'll try to interpret that. Narcissism is when an action is totally centered in that person. Now, a narcissist, and just in case you haven't read the literature, and I'm not coming up with this, this is what the psychologist says, a narcissist believes that the world revolves around them. A narcissist says... <laughs> I, don't, I know probably none of you watch Fox News. 
because you don't like fair and balanced. Ethel, do you watch Fox News? Okay, thank you. It's my go-to place. There's a guy on there called Jesse Waters, Ethel. And he has this thing called Waters World. And he goes out on the street and he talks to people. And at some point he says, this is Waters World and you're in it. That is profoundly narcissistic. You see, a narcissist, I know that's a label, believes that everybody in their life exists for them. And when they don't exist for them, they have, this is again according to the, the, the clinicians, they say they have one or of two reactions or maybe both reactions. One of them is narcissistic woundedness. That is, if you don't serve their purpose, I'm going to get to the Bible in a minute. Quit looking at me like that. If you don't serve their purpose, they are deeply and irrationally wounded. Like, oh my, you would think you kidnapped their baby or something. You know, they, they just absolutely can't believe, wow, you mean you're not going to drop everything and do what I need. It's narcissistic woundedness. The other reaction is narcissistic rage. <laughs> the narcissist, I don't know why that's funny. It just, I just like saying it. Narcissistic rage. Narcissistic rage is an over-the-top angry reaction to someone not doing what they want them to do. And it's go, it, it way does not at all fit what was actually done. If a narcissistic person... Yeah, let's do this. If a narcissistic person calls you and you don't drop everything right then and answer their call, they are either profoundly hurt or profoundly offended. And you say, well, I had something going on. I, I couldn't get to it right. Again, you, they, they, don't, they don't really understand that this, I can tell you guys just really need me to expound on this a moment. I got a phone call the other day from a narcissist. <laughs> Would you like to hear about it? <laughs> I got a call from a narcissist. This guy, he's on the phone and he says, uh, you the pastor? And I said, yes, I am. He says, um, are you a real pastor? I said, well, I got some certificates. Would you like me to put you on FaceTime and show them to you? What is it? Now, I want to know if you love God. I said, I love him with all my heart. I'd do anything for God. I, I followed him, and, you know, and, and, and I'm thinking, where is this going? Well, I want to talk to a real man of God. And I said, all right, you got him. It's your lucky day. He said, preacher. It always worries me when people call me preacher. <laughs> and... Um, he said, I need to go to Des Moines, and you're going to take me. I said, what? He said, I need a ride to Des Moines, and if you're a true man of God, you'll take me. I said, well, you got part of that right. I am a man of God, but I ain't taking you to Des Moines. What? And he's all offended and calling me a hypocrite, and I don't love Jesus and all this and I said, wait, 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 then, then I kick into the, I'm going to have some fun with this. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. 
I said, I, can I show you my schedule for today? Can, can I show you who I'm supposed to talk to today and who I'm supposed to meet with today? Why in the world do you think I should call those people and cancel their time with me because you decided I have to call, go to Des Moines with you today? Well, give, give me the name of somebody who loves God and hangs the phone up. I thought, that guy's a narcissist. He's a narcissist. A narcissist says, I have full access and claim to you and everything about you, and if you don't give it to me, you're awful. You're wicked. You're sinful. I'm not saying you've got any narcissist in your life, but I am saying you're going to have to shut down narcissism because people's agenda will destroy God's agenda for you. There are people who can only see themselves, and they will never see what God wants to do in you. I had the Lord pecked on my shoulder that morning and said, Jeff, someone's going to call you today. I love them dearly. They need to get to Des Moines. I want you to cancel everything. Then I go, okay, Jesus, I will. But I do not accept that someone else has the presumption over my life. Amen? I do not I do not accept that. So you're going to have to fight with control, narcissism. narcissism. Uh, could you spell that? Did you get that spelled right? N-A-R-C-I-S-S. Right, you get it? So I believe, secondly... I believe that we should label actions and not people. If someone's acting narcissistic, don't say, you're a narcissist. Say, you know, that sounds pretty narcissistic of you. I know you're not a narcissist. You act like one. Thirdly, I believe we can break connection with someone's unhealthy behavior without breaking fellowship with them. I think we can cut off their behavior without cutting them off. For example, if a person is trying to control you and not let you be a grown-up and not let you be a full adult, you don't have to say, you're out of my life. You can say, I'm not going to put up with that. One of the, one of the psychologists I like the most, and I challenge you to go on YouTube and listen to his speeches that, because he is a devout Christian. His name is Henry Cloud. He's got a whole lot of stuff about this on there. And he said, when a control freak is trying to control you, convert them. I'm thinking, well, that's easier said than done. And he said, no, I don't mean convert them as from a sinner to a Christian. Convert them from a control freak into a frustrated person. I can't change if they want to be a control freak, but I can make sure they're not controlling me. And when you shut down a control freak, what you have immediately is a frustrated person. And we'll really enjoy that one a little bit later. And they all said, I believe your fruitfulness depends on your decision to break the connections of unhealthy agendas. I believe that you will never live out Galatians 5, and 23 until you learn to break those unhealthy agendas off of your life. Because people are coming to you with their agenda. And you need to say, the only, listen, the only agenda that matters is God's. 
The only agenda that gets control of my life is God's agenda, right? So you got to stop the flow of that unhealthy influence into your spirit. And I think that one of the most overlooked things in spirit... Let me, let me tell you this real quickly. I feel like my brain is so scattered today, I don't know what's going on. I know when I talk about breaking unhealthy con- connections in your mind, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, he's going to tell us not to hang around with evil people because we know that corrupt character, you know, pollutes uh, uh, good character and all that. But I, we all know that. And I'm not even going to walk down that path today. What I'm going to talk about is the stuff that is keeping us from love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. I'm talking about those agendas. Amen? Those agendas. Can you believe this? Can you believe this? The devil wants you sad. Say amen. The devil wants you sad. The devil wants you depressed. The devil wants you anxious. The devil wants you stressed. And the devil wants you confused. So it is not the work of God when that stuff starts flooding into your life through relationships. That is the work of the devil. Now, some people don't realize the devil is using them to bring that stuff into your life. They don't, they don't stop and go, well, I think I'm going to spin my head three times, spit out some pea soup, and be used to the devil today. <laughs> I'm working hard at communication. And some of you are just... All right. They honestly don't know The devil is using them because they haven't learned to respect people's boundaries. So they take control beyond boundaries. They haven't learned to spot narcissism. And here's the thing. No one likes narcissists. I mean, if someone said to you, you're acting narcissist right now, would you go, no. But there is a streak of narcissism in all of us that says, let's make this about me. Let's make it about me. I tell you what, you do what I want you to do. And, and so there's that pressure coming against you to be controlled and, and not take responsibility for your own life, to be used to orbit somebody else's life. And then there's that codependency where people need us to stay weak so they can feel good about us needing them. So they don't, they don't need us to be healed because the moment we get healed, that means that we don't have to lean on men, them anymore. And part of their very reason for being and enjoying life is that we need, they need us, and, and, and it goes on and on and on. And so we have to stop and consider, how am I going to, to get this stuff stopped and off? And I, I haven't given much attention to the enablement. An enablement, an enabler, somebody who's being enabled, they, they won't tell us what we need to hear. We open up our hearts to them. We open up and we're vulnerable with them. And they say, no, you're good. <laughs> they don't go, well, now that you mentioned it, there's some stuff I really think you should work on. You know, So they enable our bad behavior. So what are we going to do? Are we ready to take some notes yet? Here we go. We must disconnect 
from relationships, maybe I should have put from the influences, that reject our autonomy. Galatians chapter 6, verse 4, just a few verses past the fruit of the Spirit, says, But let each one test his own work. And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each one will have to bear his own burdens. Now, this is not talking about arrogance and pride. It's just saying that all of us should have those moments where we look at what God is doing through our life and go, I'm proud of that. I feel good about that. I feel good about that. Can you imagine looking at at the kids God helped you to raise, they're functioning, healthy adults, and you go, hey, babe, we did a good job raising those kids, right? Or maybe look at the influence you had on someone else, and you kind of step back and go, yeah, God helped me do something worthwhile there. But if you're not careful, there will be people who will come into your life and exert influence that will reject your autonomy. I was talking to a mother today that we had known years and years ago and just stumbled, stumbled across her on social media and was asking, you know, that the thing you do is how so-and-so is so-and-so and all that. And she, got, she said, my husband and I are really struggling right now. And she said, our oldest daughter is in China. She says she is in China seeking those who are seeking the Lord. So you got this adult daughter who has left and gone to the other side of the world who's helping Chinese believers come to Jesus. And the mother said, I'll be honest with you. I struggle with this. It doesn't feel good at all. You see... Sometimes we love people too much to want God's plan for them. Because God's plan may well involve danger and sacrifice and maybe even death. And we love them too much to release them to God's agenda. But one day... That young lady is going to stand before God. And I don't know exactly how that's going to go. But God is going to say something like, Thank you for going to China to seek those who are seeking me. And the girl's going to answer back, Yeah, but mom was a real problem. You see, you have to, to pursue God. You have to shut down that rejection of your autonomy. You are an adult, most of you. Some of you. you know, but you're an adult. And you can't let someone else make decisions that you have to live with. Hello? You can't let someone else make decisions you have to live with. 
So you have to pray to God and say, God, give me the wisdom to discern your will and to follow it and to shut my ears to the other agendas. You've seen them, haven't you? You've seen them. They're in their 20s. They're in their 30s. Some of them are in their 40s. I've met a few in their 50s. Still looking for some in their 60s. I'm sure they exist. People who cannot function in the adult world without mama or daddy or both. Hello? That is a sin against God's design on your life. Amen? At times, people, perhaps well-meaning people, perhaps people who love us incredibly, will look to try and usurp authority from us. And they will undermine our sense of responsibility and accountability. And they try to violate our adulthood. Next note here. We must resist the tendency to violate the autonomy of others. The Bible says in Romans chapter 14, verse 4, Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? Is it not his own master he stands or falls? And he will be upheld, held. The Lord is able to make him stand. Now, we're not talking about matters of biblical truth. Anybody has a right to come to us and say, the Bible says you're doing this, you shouldn't be doing this. And Yeah, but we're talking about matters of conviction. We're talking about opinions, those kind of things. The Bible is dealing here about people who think this and other people who disagree with that. It's not a clear yes or no, but it is a matter of conviction. The Bible says in in Romans 14, 12, each of us must give an account of himself to God, not to mama, not to dad, to no one else, to God. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. You know, will you smile at me, please? Do you know what's wrong with you? (laughs) You know what's wrong with you? Some of you, your life has become completely frustrated because you're trying to control other people. And it is the most frustrating thing you will ever do is to try and control other people. Here's an idea. (laughs) I didn't say a theory. An idea. (laughs) Here's an idea. Control yourself. Because... In trying to control other people, we lose control of ourselves because it's so frustrating. Man, we just can't get things. And so we find ourselves trying to help you not sin. In the process, we get so frustrated at you that we start sinning. Come on. It is the most frustrating thing in the world to try. Believe me, I'm a pastor. Sometimes I'll read your Facebook posts and I'll just crawl onto the desk and say, oh, God, I failed miserably. 
people of God putting horoscopes up there. And they go, do they not realize they're witchcraft? You know, you know that kind of thing you do. Oh, you don't do that? Weeping and wailing. Proverbs says something I just want to bring in here quickly. A man's spirit will endure sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear. For those of you who are not control freaks, because we don't label people, but you are control enthusiasts. You're trying to break someone's spirit. And if you succeed, you will have sinned against your God and against him. When I was a daddy, I'm still a daddy, but when I was a daddy and my wife and I were trying to raise three kids, the last thing in the world I ever wanted was to see my kids with a broken spirit. I definitely did not want them to go into the dating world with a broken spirit. I didn't, did not want them to go out into the adult world with a broken spirit. Man, I wanted them to rise up with some, some iron in their spirit. And you have to understand, friends, and you have to really get back, as we say, use a football metaphor, you have to back up 10 yards and punt. You have to give, maybe give them the, the advantage of your insight, maybe your wisdom, but you've got to stop short of control. Because control is an attempt to break someone's spirit. You don't want the people you love to go out into this world with a broken spirit. You want them to rise up in the strength of Almighty God. Am I talking Greek today? <laughs> it's just real, isn't it? Okay, where are we? The assault on our autonomy. I have established you've got to protect your autonomy. That doesn't mean God. God's boss over everything. But you have to... Defend your autonomy if you're going to be the healthy person that God wants you to be. The Galatians 5, 22 and 23. So here are the weapons that are involved in trying to assault that you've got to deal with. First, guilt will be used to exert control. Beware of those people who are trying to make you feel guilty all the time. Guilt is an attempt at control. People who oppose, maybe without realizing it, they oppose your wholeness, are trying to make you feel guilty. They will never forget your mistakes because your mistakes are the key to you feeling guilty and them gaining control. They often have a list of all the stuff you've done and they hold it over your head. It's a way to exert control. Secondly, an agenda of manipulation will be in place. Their influence and their advice will have an agenda. It's, it's, it's difficult to listen to their advice because there's an agenda behind that advice. When you get their opinion, what you're actually getting is their attempt to manipulate. When you're vulnerable, they see it as an opportunity to come in and manipulate you. And since in order to be a connected in a healthy way, you have to be vulnerable, they take advantage of you trying to connect in a healthy way to manipulate. Number three, fear will be used to dissuade you. How are you doing on time? Hmm. You're about out. Lord help you. What shall I do? 
fear will be used to dissuade you. We have a saying in this country. It's called, you better think twice about that. You better think twice about that. What it means is, you better change your mind or something bad's going to happen. People who are trying to attack your autonomy say that a lot. You better think twice about that. They always have the knowledge of some gloom and doom consequence if you don't do what they say. If you don't do this, oh, it's going to be bad for you. Beware. Beware. Don't you know that if um, if they should be making the decision, God would have put it in their court? Now I'm going to give you four things real quickly that will help you defend your boundaries and be healthy. First of all, live in freedom. Your convictions are not my convictions, and I don't have to live by your convictions. I live by my convictions. If the Bible says it, it's not a conviction. It's a doctrine. But if the Bible doesn't talk about it, you work out it. You work your way out, and I'll work my way out. Amen? Live your freedom. Don't always be afraid of the convictions of other people. That is an assault on your autonomy, trying to live someone else's convictions. Number two, we take ownership of our life. Am I going too fast? Trying to get you to the food bar in time. Listen, are you listening? No one but you gets to live your life. No one but you gets to live your life. Understand that. Don't forfeit that. God gave you a mind so he could talk to you, so he could guide you, so he could direct you. Don't allow others to make the decisions that belong to you. Don't allow others to make your decisions. If you're a grown-up, if you're an adult, there's a whole set. Now, I'm not saying don't get opinions, and I'm not saying don't get advice. I'm saying don't give the decision away. It's yours. You have to live with it, and you'll be held accountable for it. Amen? Come on, folks. I need you to finish strong here. Number three, take control. We control what we are responsible for. Once in a while in my life, there has been this vicious rumor went around about me. Would you like to hear it? Your stomach growling? It is the rumor that says, Pastor Jeff is stubborn. I remember when, when Pastor Kevin was here with us on staff, and once in a while he would sarcastically call me the doorstop. <laughs> When he makes a decision, that's, you know. And here's how I always try to explain that. that those of you who, who work closely with me, you know I'm very easygoing. And they said, if they want to get paid again, they said, 
you know, ask the deacons all that. I'm, I'm not one of those people that's my way or the highway. It's, that's just not the way I am. And they all kind of look at it. Here's what I believe, though. If I have to answer to God for that decision, I'm going to make it. If I have to answer to God for it, I'm going to make it. I will listen to your opinion. I will consider your advice. But when the time comes, I have to answer to God for that. And I'm going to make it. No one else is going to get to do that. It would be great. I don't know how many times I've thought, man, I wish I could just give this to someone else. Here, let's, the board, hey, you guys make this. You guys. And it's like, I am going to answer to God for this decision. Therefore, even if I give it away, it comes back to me. Because it's mine. It's in the realm of my responsibility. Are you with me? Number four, we control ourselves. A person of wholeness looks at life responsibly. Again, can I have just a few more minutes? I know I'll, I'll preach real short next week. <laughs> can I? Control yourself. So often, our life becomes utterly miserable. There's nothing more miserable than a control freak who's out of control. And when we allow things that we wanted to control but we could not control... To get out of control, there's no love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. It's all gone. So control yourself with God's help. Control yourself. If you make me angry, it's my responsibility before God to get on angry. It's my responsibility. If you want to come along and help me get on angry at you, that'd be great. But I'm not going to depend on that. Amen? I'm going to take responsibility. Let me give you this passage, and, and then I'll try to quit. Uh, Joshua chapter 24, verse 14. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worship beyond the river and, and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But, but, he draws a line and says, it's your call. It's your call. It's your call. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your, forefather, your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites and those lands you're living. But as for me and my house, this is who I'm responsible for. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Choose. Sort of the ultimate 
mental health passage. Let's all make a choice who we're going to serve. Do you feel like you've just been overwhelmed with psychology mixed with a little <laughs> Bible? And a, I know, I feel so scatterbrained today. I hope it made sense. I've said, if you ever have taken sermon notes home and worked back through them, this series is the one you got to do that with. That's what I wonder. Jesus died to set me free of my sins. Amen? The Holy Spirit came into me to make me a witness, the Bible says. And the Holy Spirit reigns in my heart to give me the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control, all that. What went wrong? What went wrong? Sometimes somebody who might know that I'm going through a, a particularly difficult situation might sit down and say, how you doing? And I often find myself saying this, and I, I praise the Lord for it. I say, you know, in all of it, there's such a peace. In all of it, for some reason, some unknown reason, I have such a peace. I just, God is doing a miracle right now. I should be all broken up, all worried, all stressed, but I have such a peace. Because you see, peace is not what I have when the battle is over. Peace is what I have when the Spirit is living in me. Right? And some of us, I know this sounds rough, and I don't, I don't want to, but I, I don't want to be an able either. Um, some of us have canceled out from the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy, peace, and etc., because there are unhealthy agendas that we've allowed to come into our life and take up unnecessary, or should I say unhealthy, control and influence. I had to say to my own mama, whom I love more than life itself, I need you to step back. This is God's call on my life. Huh? I need you. I need you to... I need you to. T I know you love me, and believe me, when I drive north out of this town, I'm gonna. There's gonna be many tears, but I really need you not to interfere with God's call on my life. I know you're doing it out of love, but I need you to stop. And friends, I I don't know. I'm rambling now. Please, there are unhealthy agendas that are undermining your quality of life. I'm not asking you to disconnect from the person. I'm asking you to disconnect from the influence. I'm asking you to stop letting them control you. I'm asking you to stop the narcissism from coming in and making your life unhappy. I'm asking you don't get in a codependent relationship with a person. Don't allow yourself to be in that enabling situation, okay? All right, stand with me, please. Some of you said, will he ever shut up? Yes. Father, I ask you 
I pray, Lord, that this sermon has been a word of wisdom that has reached into hearts and minds and flipped on a light switch. And people who walked in here with a not-so-good standard of living, not much love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control, people who maybe wandered this way and just sort of wrote it off as, well, maybe somebody else feels that on me. But I pray, Lord, that there has been an encounter with truth today that some folks have been made aware of what is undermining their fruitfulness. And by your Holy Spirit, you'll help them spot it and reject it. That that unhealthy flow will be ended today in the name of Jesus. And Father, if there be anyone here today who doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, I ask you, Lord, Give them the faith to believe you died for every one of their sins. Give them the faith to believe there's nothing else that needs to be done. But they just need to believe in their heart and confess with their mouth, Jesus is Lord, and they will be saved. Thank you for that salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, please let us know. We need to help you get started in your new life. Take your notes. Work through them, and we'll see you back next week. I I will do my best not to preach so long next week, all right?